Hi, this is Thad Reese, the pastor at Parkside Community Church, The Lighthouse, here in San Francisco. Jesus said, when I return to the earth, will I find any faith? We believe that this podcast will help build your faith as you hear and listen to the Word of God. Leads to victory. Relentless obedience leads to victory, right? When you think about the word relentless, what comes to mind? Relentless, unstoppable. Not easily, not easy to give up. A person who is relentless uh, is very persistent. And there's such determination to finish a task, to complete a task. That's a relentless person. Another word for relentless, um, in a good way, relentless in a good way, in a positive way, adamant. Right? Um, What's another word for relentless? Uh, Tenacious. It it doesn't easily give up. Uncompromising, unstoppable, relentless obedience. Today's character, we're going to look into a little bit in the life of Joseph. That's a good example of a relentless. I mean, the best example, of course, is our Lord Jesus Christ. All right? Jesus Christ, relentless obedience to the Father. How did he submit to the Father? He submitted to the Father by obeying, by obedience. And he learned obedience by the things that he suffered. Right? Amen? And so, relentless obedience. Let me start with our text message in Matthew 10, 22. I'm using the message translation. Although in the uh, New King James NLT, you know, it makes mention that we are not to give in. We are not to cave in. We will be hated for his name. We will be persecuted for his name. But those who endure to the end will be saved. Amen? Matthew 10, 22, I'm just taking it from the message, but that's what it says. Don't quit. Tell your neighbor, don't quit. Don't cave in. Say, don't cave in. It's all well worth it in the end. Woo, hallelujah. It's all well worth it in the end because those who will endure to the end will be saved. Hallelujah. And that's why we need relentless obedience, especially in this time and days. And so here we go. Don't quit. Don't cave in. It is all well worth it in the end. But I want to also look into James 4, 7. Okay? James 4, 7. How many of you know this is a good memory verse? Submit yourselves then to God. And then what? Resist. Oh, the word resist. That's a... a battle there, resist. You know, we, we, why do you have to resist, you know? Resist who? The resist the devil. And then what? Here's the victory. Then he will flee from you. He will turn back and run away. Deuteronomy 28 says that the blessings for obedience, the enemy may come in one direction. He will flee in seven different directions. In confusion. Amen? And that's why submit. The word submit. Say submit. Submit. Submit, Another word, surrender. Surrender. Another word, humble yourself before God. And once we do that, after that we submit ourselves to him, then what happens? We now have the authority and the power that God has given us to resist. The highest... I made mention here, I think, in the first portion of this message, the highest, um, the highest, do you have that? Yeah, the highest form of resistance is submission. Come on. The high, yes, we rebuke the enemy. We go, in the name of Jesus, right? And that's good because we need to confess that out. We need to rebuke the devourer in the name of Jesus. But the best, highest form You say, how do I resist the enemy? How am I supposed to resist the devil? Well, the word of God says in James 4, 7, what did the word of God says? Before we resist the enemy, we submit first. We surrender to God, to his word, under his authority. So submit yourselves to God first, then resist the enemy and he will flee. Submission to God means what? Submission to God means elevating his word above our own desires. Ooh, hallelujah. Elevating his word above our own desires. How do you resist the enemy? 
How do you resist the enemy? How do you resist the enemy's tactics? He's full of schemes. He is a father of lies. What does the Bible say about the enemy? Satan, our enemy is what? Like a roaring lion, right? Looking and seeking whom he may devour. Hallelujah. And, but he is not the lion of Judah, okay? He's just like a lion. Amen. And then what else? He what? He poses like an angel of light, but he's a deceiver. He's the father of lies. And the only thing that can shake him off his boots and run away is truth. Truth. The truth of the word of God. Amen. And that's why it's important to understand that how we resist the enemy. How do you resist the enemy? Why, is there, why do we have to resist? Because there's resist, you know, we need to resist sin, temptations. What else? We need to resist, um, for example, sarcastic comments or, critic, you know, criticism, rumors, uh, bad-mouthing someone. We need to resist those things. I'm not just talking about big, you know, but even the little things in our hearts that we entertain. Thoughts that, ooh, 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 we are not to even entertain. We need to, like, cast them out. And we, you know, the Bible says we need to subject those thoughts under the authority of God's word. Amen? Those thoughts that come, um, you know, those are things that we, how about the, the, the desire to get even? When somebody does something wrong to you, you want to do evil for evil, you want to retaliate, you know? Somebody offended you, you want to, you know, harbor that resentment, you want to harbor that offense. Now, let me tell you, offense is a tactic of the enemy. No, really, offense is a uh, tool that the enemy uses to cause division. Anywhere, churches, families, relationships, offense, say offense. Offense. The spirit of offense. I used to be easily offended. No, I'll tell you, the truth is, I get so easily offended, I used to get But the Lord taught me, hey, you know, Jesus was offended, right? Everybody left him. Disciples left him. But the the offense, that's what the enemy uses to what? To cause division, to cause um, strife, animosity between us, you know, between our relationships. That's why we need to not entertain that and not allow it to stay. Joseph is a very good example of that. He did not allow um, retaliation or um, offense to stay in his heart against his brothers. Mm, Amen? So we need to resist. That's why it says, but how? How can we resist, right? By obeying, by submitting to what the word of God says. And that's why even when we don't feel like it and we don't want to, what, what is submission again? It is the willingness to what? The willingness to elevate what the word, what God is saying to me to do instead of how I feel, instead of how I think, instead of what my desires are, which are not squared with the word of God. Hallelujah. And that's why we need to submit by resisting. That's the highest form of submission is obedience. And we see that so much in the life of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh, boy, he submitted to the will of the Father. He said, not my will, but yours be done. Even when he said, Father, is there any other way? Is it the cross is the only way? And, but not my will, but your will be done. And that's why the anointing upon his life is because of obedience. Hallelujah. If you love me, you will obey me, is what he said. Oh, and so, you know, my, um, my stepdad, they are missionaries in the Philippines. Well, they're not just missionaries, but they actually stay and establish that prayer mountain, you know, Mount Pinel in the Philippines. But uh, July 25th, just July 25th, I received a call. You know, all flights have been canceled. They were supposed to come, but, you know, it, it didn't happen. But um, he was hospitalized. He was taken to the emergency. I know some of you knows about this because I called for prayer and asked for prayer. He was, um, I, how do you say this? He was having a lot of infection in his body because of uh, uh, gallbladder hydrops, is what they call it, or stones, right? And so the, 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 the gosh, how do I explain that? The uh, gallbladder, the bladder ruptured. 
So then there is infection that's spreading in his body that affected his liver because he's now turning yellow. And you know why? Because he, you know, we've been asking and um, suggesting to him that he go through surgery to take, to have those um, stones taken out. Not, not just a stone now, it's stones, okay, multiplied. And he doesn't want to. He said, I'm 82 years old. I'm old, though. I'm just going to pray and, you know, and believe God that, you know. And that's good. But at this point, he's already, uh, you know, turning yellow. His eyes are turning yellow. And, and uh, if the infection is not stopped, what will happen is what we call sepsis. It's a, a sepsemia is a, a very severe form of infection that can now spread into your bloodstream. Once it gets to the bloodstream, and what happens to the infection if it spreads to the bloodstream? It gets to the main organs. It gets to the heart, the brain, right? And and person's going to die. And so he needed surgery right away. He wouldn't submit to the surgery. But submission, now you know, look at the word submission, submitting for him to submit to the surgery. God, God uses that too, right? When the submission to the surgery is, you know, for him to get better, to, to remove the infection, to remove the pain, to remove the shivering and the high fever and the lowering of his blood pressure. And so that's what happened. He went through uh, Six hours of surgery for an 82 years old. Glory to God, he's better and he's back home recovering. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Amen. And thank you for all your prayers for that. And so submission, when we submit to God, it is for our betterment. Now look at the word submission. There is sub and then there's mission, right? Submission just means sometimes we, you know, we have this negative connotation about the word, ah, I don't want to submit. You know what I mean? I don't want anyone telling me what to do. But submission is really coming under mission. Hallelujah. Coming under the mission of Jesus Christ. Amen. Submission between a husband and a wife is coming under the mission of the leadership yeah. of your husband. Agreeing and supporting it. Yeah. Hallelujah. That's submission. What's the opposite of submission? Rebellion. Rebellion is like witchcraft, the Bible says. Hallelujah. And the enemy uses rebellion. You do not give the enemy a foothold. The Bible says don't give the devil an opportunity or room because he will really take over and take position. And we don't want to give him that position that we have in Christ. Amen? And so the... the um, so we are in God is truth, in letter A, submission to the Lord is submission to his truth. Now, truth is God. God is truth. God, you know, truth is not just an uh, idea or um, what do you call this, or philosophy. No, truth is a person. Say that with me. Truth is a person of Jesus Christ. John 14, 6. Let's read it. What does John 14, 6 say? Jesus said, this is Jesus, Jesus said, told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. A lot of, uh, you know, sometimes I hear preachings and messages, be careful, that says there are many ways to be saved. Mm -mm -mm. John 14, 6 says, and that's why we need to really hold on to our faith and our conviction because if we don't, you know, we can get swayed by wrong teachings. Because many are, you know, saying, oh, there's a lot of way to get saved. No, Jesus is the only way. He says right there, no one can come to the Father except through Jesus, except through what Jesus has accomplished on the cross. Hallelujah. And that's why he said, no, no, I am the only way. Jesus said, Jesus said, I am the only way. I am the truth and I am the life, the real life. Amen. And that's why truth is, um, truth is not changing. When you have your core value, you know the truth, right? Truth doesn't change. It doesn't go with what the culture says. Truth is not trendy. Say that with me. Truth is not trendy. It doesn't change just because culture change. It doesn't change just because so-and-so said this or because of somebody's opinion. Truth is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
Because truth is Jesus Christ. Truth is Jesus Christ. It cannot change. It cannot alter. Opinions changes. Opinion is easy because opinion, you can just form opinions. And then, you know, I mean preferences, opinions. I can just, let's say, this is my opinion today, but two years from now it might change. We can have opinions about food, but when it comes to the word, the word is the word. The word is truth. Hallelujah. There's absolute truth, amen, to the word. So Jesus is the truth. The next one, it seems, so it must, oh, wait, wait, surrender to the truth. This next one. Okay, now we know the truth. The Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, let's say, for example, I'll say, okay, no one can tell me what to eat, when to eat, how much to eat. I, will, I have the right to eat uh, at my heart's content. I can eat however much I want, whenever I want, right? And, you know, whatever I want to eat, I'm free to eat. And you think that's freedom. Mm -mm. That's actually is bondage. According to the word of God, our belly shouldn't be our gut. Amen? Amen. We need food, but, you know, we don't serve food because food can be an idol. How can food be an idol? Oh, boy. We run to it when we're depressed. When we don't know what to do and we're bored, I do that. Like, I go, I'm hungry, you know, but just to entertain and just to make me and myself feel better. You know what I mean? Now, we must be, it says surrender to the truth means that uh, it may, yeah, you know, it may be my right to eat whatever I want, whenever I want, but the word of God teaches us what? I'm talking about submission to the word, self-control. That's one of the fruit of the spirit. We need to exercise, and I need to remind myself too, I need to exercise self-control in what I eat. And in whatever else that we do, we need to apply self-control. And so surrender to the truth means that, is it really freedom for me to, uh, you know, eat whatever I want, whenever I want? Is that good for me? Is that beneficial for me? No, that's not, that's not freedom. That's bondage. True freedom is applying the truth. It's applying the word. That when I apply self-control, I'll feel better. I'm not going to be a sluggish, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'll be healthier when I'm eating right and I'm eating just the right amount at the right time and all that. Is that right? And so we must, it means surrender to the truth means what? We must be willing. The word willing, say willing. I must be willing. To what? To change our thinking or our lifestyle in any area where they do not square with the word of God. That's what surrender or submission to God means or submission to his truth. Where I must be, there's so much right now that talks about Oh, you don't need to repent. Whew. You know, everybody's going to go to heaven. There's no such thing as hell. Are you, really? Right? Uh, you can just, you know, you don't need to repent. That is so against the word. We need to repent. We need to admit wrong. Confess your sins to one another. Confess your sins to God. And you will be healed and you'll be forgiven. Right? And so... When we surrender to the truth, the truth changes us. When we apply the truth, amen, when we are willing to change, when we're willing to be changed by the truth of the word of God in our thinking, like we have those thoughts that aren't supposed to be there, we have to be willing to, to flush those out and, and, and replace them with the word of God. We got to, because the word of God is in John 17, 17, what does it say? sanctify them, purify. What does sanctify means? To cleanse, to purify, separate them for yourself, make them holy by the what? By the truth. So what does the truth of the word of God do? It can change, it can cleanse us from filth, from sin, from wrong thinking, from, from whatever that needs to be changed in our lives. The word of God is the truth that has the power to change and transform our lives, right? And so sanctify them means that the word of God is truth and it is, has the power to transform and change. How do you know that a, a person who professes to be Christian, for example, how do you know that this person is really, um, 
maturing in his walk or her walk in the Lord? How can you tell if a person, because see, um, spiritual maturity or spiritual growth is not really a factor of time. Because when I say it's not a factor of time, spiritual maturity or, or you know, how do you know you're growing in your faith? How do you know? You're, you're, you know, you start as a believer, you're a babe in Christ, and then as you mature, as you grow, as you eat of the word, as you drink of the word of God, and you eat the word of God, and, and, and then through the things that we go through, we, we grow, right? So what happens when time, for example, a person can be a believer just right now, and then in just maybe within the year, can be giant in her faith? Am I, am I right? And you can see like a real like turn around. But a person... A Christian can be a Christian for 20 years and no change or hardly any change. Very slow growth. Is that possible? How do you think of a baby who doesn't grow? Or it's growing just in height but not in maturity. That's not a pretty sight. Not a pretty sight. It's going to be a grown man still in the nursery. It's not a pretty sight. Amen? So... Um, it says in Hebrews 5, 8, we need to surrender to the truth because it is what changes us. Now, how do you know that we're changing? How do you know that we're growing? Is it time? No. Is it by learning? Learning is good. You learn the word, right? But learning, the Pharisees (laughs) learned the word from the first five books of the Bible in the Old Testament. They memorized it, you know? But there is no such, you know, you don't see any, any light in there, the, the, Jesus rebuked the Pharisees at all time, right? They know the scripture, but they're not applying it in their lives. So it's not about really learning it. Learning is good, though. I'm not saying we're not to learn. We are to learn the word, right? But in Hebrews 5, what does it say? Though he was a son, talking about Jesus, how did he learn obedience? He learned obedience by the things which he Suffered. So what's the factor of growing in Christ? What's the factor in uh, maturity? You know, in addition to learning the word is through what we go through. Through what we suffer. Amen? We grow. How many of you, know, we, how many of you have been through so much, have been through certain things in your life, and it allowed you to grow in faith? And your faith grew because of that. Hallelujah, right? I mean, we, we had a time, we, there was a time back in the 90s when we just started our church. Our church used to be in Vallejo, now it's in Fairfield. But our previous building before this current building right now, we, our, our beginning was really small. We, we, um, we started in like a cottage, you know, uh, Fainos, he, I, I think he's seen that church. It's really little cottage turned into a church, right? And, and the, the garage is burnt down garage, and there's no cement uh, in the front parking and in the back. It's just a mess when we bought that place. And, um, but the small beginnings, Bible says don't despise the small beginnings, right? And so when we, we, um, we were with this church with our pastor back then called Living Rock, and uh, we were actually... There was a lot of things that happened because uh, my family, we helped uh, purchase the, the building, that little cottage, you know, because the church needed a building. But what happened was, um, uh, this is a long story cutting it short, we suffered through this being persecuted, you know, helping out the church, but yet we were accused and we were, my family and I were accused and sued. Uh, the, they sued us and they, they um, accused us of making money out of the church. And it went into mediation. <laughs> you know, it actually did. And, um, and when it went to mediation, the mediator in the court was scratching his head. Because we are churches here, you know. Like, wait, aren't churches supposed to, like, um, you know, come to an agreement here? And then he was scratching his head because he said, now who pulled, put out the money? And this family here put out the money. Now, this, fa- this, this, this side over here that's suing this family didn't even put out any money, not even any, any, nothing, not a cent. But this is the, the family that put out the money, but this people here are suing them because they're saying that they're making money out of the church. It just doesn't make sense, right? But what they were wanting us to do 
is they wanted us to side with them to sue the seller so that we can get a bigger church because this church was way too small and it's really run down, you know. But God wanted us to, to start in those small beginnings, right, to build faith just like Joseph. Joseph didn't start as a governor. Joseph started what? In prison, in the pit, as a slave, you know. And so, but through those times that Joseph suffered, he what? God prepared him into being the governor of, of um, Egypt, right? But it is true what we suffer. But through that, we learned so much. Through that, we were being persecuted. We were being sued for that. It, it was about a year long. But while they were doing that, we were fixing the building. You know, we were moving on with what God wanted us to do. Relentless obedience. No matter what persecutions, no matter, God by his grace will enable us. And he will give us not only the, the grace and the power to overcome, but the will. We're going to want it. We're going to desire to continue to obey no matter what oppositions may come. Amen? Yes. And so, and that's why, uh, you know, we learn uh, obedience by the things we suffer. Now, letter C, it says not only do we surrender to the truth, but we need to hold tight to the truth. Amen? Hold tight to the truth your, or your conviction. Hold tight to your conviction, especially uh, in, for us to be able to stand strong in the last days. Now look at 1 Corinthians 16, 13 to 14. It says, keep your eyes open, hold tight. Say that with me. Hold tight to your convictions. Hold tight to your convictions. I need to hold tight to my convictions. Right? And then it says, give it all you've got. Be resolute. That's another word for relentless. Be resolute. And love without stopping. Whew. Love without stopping. Did you know in the last days the Bible says many love will grow cold? But here it says, you know, in Corinthians, admonishing us to love without stopping. Keep loving. Amen. And keep your eyes open. Be aware of what's going around. And then hold tight to your core belief. Conviction is something that you're so convinced of. You're so totally convinced of this truth. And you stand for this truth no matter what happens. That's conviction. Conviction is something that you so believe. The disciples, the apostles, they gave their life for the truth. Because they were holding on to what they believed. That's conviction. What is your conviction? Are you living by your conviction or are you living by preferences? Or are you living by opinion? Are you living by what others say or because of this trend is this and this trend is that and this is what's up now and this is what's going on now and this is what I'm going to just flow with what's going on? No. Conviction is you stand firm and you hold on to the truth of the word of God in your heart of what you have learned, what you were taught, what has been planted in your heart. Amen. The truth because conviction, who gives us conviction? The Holy Spirit is the one who convicts us. The Bible says the Holy Spirit convicts us of what? of righteousness, of sin, of judgment. The Holy Spirit is the one who tops you. You know, when you hear that, don't do that. It's not right. Don't hold to that offense or don't badmouth someone. You know what I'm saying? So that's the Holy Spirit. He's the one who brings conviction in our hearts and conviction gets stronger as we grow in the word. Amen. Amen? And so if our convictions are not strong enough, we need to continually water our lives ourselves and be cleansed by the word of God. Do not conform any longer to the patterns, Romans 12 says. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed, be changed by the renewing of our minds, by the changing of our thinking, by the changing of our perspective, by the word of God. Hallelujah. Because that's the only way we can keep our eyes open. That's the only way we can hold on to our conviction. Hallelujah. So live by your conviction. Don't live by opinions or by preference. Like I prefer this today, but tomorrow it's going to be a different preference, right? You may prefer, you know, it's okay with food. I mean, I prefer Japanese food before. Now I prefer Mediterranean food. That's okay. But when it comes to core values or your core belief, hold on to those. When the Bible says adultery is wrong, adultery is wrong, you know. Those are core beliefs that we keep. And we hold on to those to be able to stand in the last days. We need to hold on to our convictions. Amen. Hallelujah. 
And so uh, why do we have to hold on? Look at, look at, I'm just going to show you three verses. You might as well know this. Second Timothy, uh, this is what Paul is saying to uh, Timothy. You may as well know this to Timothy, that in the last days, it is going to be very difficult to be a Christian. Hallelujah. We see that, right? That's nothing new. That's what the Bible says. It's going to be difficult. And what else? Matthew 24, 10 says, many will give up. Many will give up and will betray and hate each other. Huh. Okay. How about this one? 2 Timothy 4, 3, 4. This is what's going on now. It says, for there is going to come a time. Well, I think that time is now. It's here. It says, for there is going to come a time when people will not listen to the truth, right? But what will they do? They will go around looking for teachers who will tell them just what they want to hear. Just what they want to hear that will entertain them, that will please them, but that will not bring conviction. And so it says there, they will go around looking for teachers who will tell them just what they want to hear. They won't listen to what the Bible says. Hallelujah. And it says what? But will blithely follow their own misguided ideas. That's what's happening now. Everybody for, for itself, like this is what I want to believe. This is what I'm going to follow. The Bible says that. I don't want to agree with that one. I don't want to do that one. I'm going to do this part, but not this one. No, the word is the word. And we cannot just pick and choose. Amen. Hallelujah. And so Submission in the first part says what is the highest form of resistance. Second, the second one, submission or obedience to God leads to victory. It leads to victory. Why? Because um, when we submit, we resist the devil. What does resist mean? How do you resist? What is another word for resist? Resist is what? To stand against, oppose. Oppose the enemy, right? You oppose the enemy. There's like this battle going on. And so the life of Joseph displayed relentless obedience. Did many of us are familiar with the story of Joseph, right? What happened to Joseph? Just a little summary. Joseph was the 11th son of uh, Jacob. Jacob and, and um, you know, Jacob had the, the 12 sons. And those are the 12 tribes of Israel, right? And Joseph is Jacob's son uh, from his beloved, loved Rachel, and, and he had two sons, uh, Joseph and Benjamin, right, from Rachel, although there's 12 of them. And, and he was his favorite. Jacob's favorite is Joseph. Remember Joseph? I mean, the dad, Jacob, made this colorful robe, remember? And then the, what happened? The brothers got so jealous and so envious because they see that that's the father's favorite right there. They got so jealous. And so one time... Um, Joseph had a dream. God gave him a prophetic dream. And in that prophetic dream, uh, God showed him that he will ascend to rulership, that he will rule one of these days, and that his brothers will serve him. And he told the dream to his brothers. He told the dream to his family. And this made the brothers angry. They're like, who do you think you are having that dream, right? And then the, then the second time around again, another prophetic dream. What's the second dream? The second dream of Joseph was the sun, the moon, and the stars were bowing down before him. And he told that dream again to his brothers, the more that they got so angry of him. And one day, the brothers went out to tend their father's uh, sheep. And so they were out the whole time, and it's been a, a while, and, you know, Jacob's probably thinking, what where are those guys, you know? Where are the boys? And he sent Joseph, why don't you go look for your brothers? Go find them, you know? Because I'm wondering where they are, what they're doing. It's been a while. So Joseph obeyed the father. He went out there. And what happened? When he went out there, he couldn't find them. But he, you know, finally he found them. And when he found them and the brothers saw Joseph coming. And they go and they started, um, what do you call this? Taunting and uh, belittling him and bullying him. And they're, oh, so here comes Mr. Leader, you know. Oh, here comes Mr. Uh, prophetic Dreams, right? And so they start because they so hate 
Joseph. They just so hate, they are so envious. They now plotted to kill him. They said, let's get rid of him. I, we can't tolerate him anymore. Let's just get rid of him. And they plotted, and, and they tore that robe off of him. Remember that colorful robe? They tore that robe off of him, and they dip it in ram's blood, you know, in animal's blood, so that they can show the father, and then they'll tell the father, here, Joseph is dead. Animals, you know, ate him or something. So what happened then is after they tore that robe off of him, they threw him in the pit. And then they go, okay, well, we're just going to kill him. But one of the brothers named Judah, right? Judah said, uh, wait, 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 wait. Look, there's a caravan of Ishmaelites on their way to Egypt, and they're doing like trade, uh, slave trading. They're doing slave trading. Why don't we just make money? Let's not kill him. Let's make money off of him. Does that remind me of Jesus Christ? When he was sold for 30 silver, you know. That's why Joseph's life is, you know. Yeah, it's a picture of Jesus. So they sold him as a slave to the Ishmaelites, and they brought Joseph to Egypt. That's how he got there, right? And then who, brought, who bought Joseph? He was bought by um, uh, Potiphar, one of the officers of Egypt. And Potiphar, you know, uh, you know, really liked Joseph. He loved Joseph because what happened, it says that he, Joseph, no matter what happened to him, he pursued excellence. No matter where he was placed, what does it say? The Lord was with Joseph. He succeeded in everything, everything that he did. He succeeded in everything that he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this. And Potiphar realized that the Lord was with Joseph and, he, and, and uh, God giving him success in everything that he did. Right? The next time, you know, he was thrown in prison. Even in prison, there were no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. He, he pursued excellence in spite of all the things that had happened to him. He's probably thinking at this time, uh, you know, what about you? If that was you, you were your own brother sold you to slavery. They got rid of you because they hate you so much. And then they told your father that you're dead. And then your father is already mourning your death, believing that you're dead, right? But you're still alive and you're a slave. A slave before is a slave forever. Meaning to say, if you're a slave, you, you know, you were bought as a slave, then your future wife, your children, you're going to be slaves for life. That's just how it was back then. And so, but here we go that he pursued excellence even in the face of opposition. What else happened? While he was there in letter B, he also, how did, we're looking at how, uh, Joseph resisted the enemy in his life and how he um, was unwavering in his commitment to follow Jesus, to follow God. And then he says here in Colossians 3, 23, 24, this is Joseph. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance, the sure reward. You are serving the Lord, not men. You are serving the Lord, meaning to say that even at work, he had such good work ethics. That even when the boss wasn't looking around or wasn't there, he was still doing everything that he had to do his best. Because he knows that he's going to answer to God and God is his employer. Amen? It is God who promotes. It is God who gives favor. It is God. It's all for him. And so letter B, it says that resisting Potiphar's wife's seductive advances. Now, what else happened while he was serving in Potiphar's household for 10 years? How many years? 10 years. When Joseph received that dream, he was 17 years old, right? Now, the prophetic, uh, when he was 17, he received that dream. Now, he served Potiphar's household for 10 years. 10 years, he was, you know, a slave. But he, went, he did so well that he became the head of all the, the servants in Potiphar's household. And but then, here's temptation, knocking at the door. The wife of Potiphar, you know what the Bible says? Joseph was handsome, and he was well-built. Well-built and handsome, and Potiphar's wife had the huts for Joseph. And did you know the Bible says every single day, he, she was putting pressure on Joseph to sleep with her? Every day, Joseph was faced with this temptation with the master's wife. But one day... The, the wife says, you know, to Joseph, Potiphar's wife says, hey, you know what? I sent all the servants home. It's just the two of us now. We're all alone. Nobody will know. 
Sleep with me, lie with me, nobody will know. And what did Joseph say? Joseph said, no, you are my master's wife. After all, he said, how could I violate his trust and sin against God? That's Joseph's conviction right there. Amen? And so what did he do? He knew, you know, he had to flee. So he fled sexual immorality. But before he fled, what did um, the wife, Potiphar's wife do? He grabbed on the shirt or, you know, his robe and he tore it off of him. And he and she started yelling rape. Rape. He raped me. He took advantage of me. And that's when he was falsely accused and he was thrown into prison. Right? And so in prison, uh, the next one. I'm just going through it really quickly by being unwavering his belief and conviction. Now I put here, the real threat to weakening our resistance. This is important. The real threat to weakening our resistance against the enemy are the wrong thoughts. It starts there. This is the battleground. Are the wrong thoughts and beliefs that try to slip, especially during hardship. Especially when we're being tried and those thoughts come. Amen. And we entertain them, that's going to weaken our resistance. So got to watch out for that, right? You got to watch out for those thoughts. Now imagine if you were Joseph. You were thrown into prison for doing what's right. You were thrown into prison. And he's thinking to himself, you know, those dungeons, they were not pleasant. Not like our prisons nowadays, you know. Those dungeons were dark, probably cold. You could hardly stand up straight. They'll give you enough, just enough food and water to live. And it's probably dark and gloomy and stinky, you know. But he was, Joseph was there. And, you know, I don't know. Maybe it crossed his mind. What about you? If that was you, would it cross your mind to say, after what I did, after I've served 10 years and been loyal to Potiphar, this is what I get? Huh? Well, what do you think? Would you ask those questions? We go, man, I should just have slept with a wife. Then I wouldn't be here. I mean, this is what I get for obeying? This is what I get for serving the Lord. You know, what's, what's good about serving then? If this is just what's going to happen if I obey. Be thrown into prison. You know, and then once those thoughts, you know, I keep entertaining those thoughts, they're going to turn into what kind of a God do you serve? We just let you, you know, for doing what's right, I'll just let you rot in prison? Is that the kind of God that you serve? Now here comes the lies. Here comes the lies. If you continue with those thoughts, what happens? The enemy is getting a foothold and is going to add to it, add to it, add to it, and it's going to weaken your resistance. Because you're going to go, oh, yeah, huh. You know, I should just, you know, only if my brother did not, you know, sell me to slavery. This wouldn't have happened to me. Now, the offense now. Now, saying, oh, my brother shouldn't have done that. Or, you know, we can say, oh, my parents should be, shouldn't have divorced. Or I shouldn't have, you know, been fired from work. You can just come up with all this. And the enemy can just add to it if you allow it. But what do you do? Once those thoughts come, what do you do? Submit to the, resist the enemy by obeying the word. By, you know, just erase, erase those thoughts and go back into the word of what the word of God says. But Joseph know the promise of God in his life. Amen. And so this is what he said. Um, he refused to retaliate and to harbor resentment towards his brother. Joseph refused to retaliate. This is how he resisted. We need to refuse. We need to refuse to retaliate, to do evil for evil or harbor resentment towards others. And he said this. He, this is what Joseph said. This is the end of the story. Joseph said uh, to his brothers when, you know, he found out that uh, the brothers didn't know that that was Joseph when they went to Egypt for food. Remember? In Canaan, there was famine, and then in Egypt, there was food, and they didn't know that, you know, their brother Joseph has become the governor of Egypt. And this is what Joseph said, please come closer, he said to his brothers. So they came closer, and he said, I am Joseph. This is when he was revealing to them, this is me, this is the one you sold to slavery, because they didn't recognize him. And he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset. He said, look at what he said. Don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. And, and he said, so it was God who sent me here, not you. And he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of the entire palace and governor of all Egypt. Hallelujah. 
And Joseph would say, you know, what about you? If somebody offended you and somebody did you wrong, just like with Joseph, and, you know, and what, what, you know, what, what would you say? Would you say that, what he said? Don't be upset with yourself. Don't be angry with yourself. Sometimes we say, you know what, I forgive you, but, you know, you should be ashamed of yourself. You should be angry at yourself, you know? But not Joseph. Just say, no, don't be angry. Don't be angry at yourself. It is God. Joseph understood in the next last point is he understood in letter E, he understood that he needed to trust in God's eternal purpose. What is God's eternal purpose? To bring about good out of painful and difficult circumstances, not only for the benefit for your benefit, but for the benefit of others and for the glory of God. And look at the last um, verse. Here is our last verse. What did Joseph say in Genesis 50, 20? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. Amen? Amen. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. He learned obedience by what he suffered. Relentless obedience. We want, here's the point. You know, many times we want God to fix our problems, right? Lord, get me out of this problem. Fix this now, Lord, right? And then he goes, we want God to fix our problems. Instead, this is what God wants to do. He wants to use our problems to change us and to reveal his grace and power to the world. Now listen, with Joseph, it was no longer about, oh, you guys are going to bow down before me. You're going to bow. You know, you're going to serve me. It's not all about that anymore. He understood now that it's not, it is all about God. It's for God's glory. Why? He brought me here so I can save this Israelites, God's people, right, by bringing them into Egypt. I just went ahead of them. So God used me to get them to Egypt. Why? Did you know that in preserving the 12 tribes of Israel there, out of Judah, one of the brothers who came from the lineage of Judah, Jesus Christ came from the lineage of Judah. Judah is one of the brothers of Joseph. Amen? Because if they did not go to Egypt, they would have died in famine where they were. But God knew. God, is, oh, God cannot stop your destiny as long as you follow and obey him. No one, even when they threw him into the pit, God did not say, Oh, no, what am I going to do now? They threw Joseph in the pit. Oh, no, how am I going to use Joseph now? No, God knew. God knew. Even though he was thrown into the pit, became a slave and all that, and he was in prison, what happened? God knew there was a purpose of why Joseph was sent to that place. It is because to save the Israelites, to save also the lineage of Jesus coming from Judah. It was all for the glory of God. But it also benefited Joseph. It benefited his family. Obedience brings blessings. It benefits not only you. It benefits those around you. It benefits your family. Disobedience, it will destroy. Amen? Many, it says, the Bible says in Proverbs 14, 12, many are, what is that? Um, many are the plans in a man's heart. When Proverbs 14, 12, no, it says, um, you, what is that? Um, I lost the, the thought of Proverbs 14, 12. Let me see. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way. There is a way that seems right to a man, but at the end it leads to death. There is a way that we may think it's right. There is a way that we may think this is the right thing or this is the right way, but at the end it will lead to destruction. It will lead to death. It will lead to heartbreak. It will lead to disaster. So be careful. Sometimes we think we are right. But let's focus on what is right in God's eyes and what the word of God says and submit to it. Come under the authority of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And so um, the last verse, I just go back to the main one that we went to. Matthew 10, 22, what does it say? But don't, there's a but, because there's a lot of things here that we're going to go through and suffer, right? But don't quit don't cave in it is all it's all well worth it in the end the thing that happens you know even when you know people are saying you know you shouldn't have church and all that stuff hey hallelujah we learn obedience by what we go through 
by what we suffer, our faith increases, our faith gets stronger. And then the thing that you think is bad, God's going to turn it around for good. Watch. Amen. God is going to use that for his glory and for his honor. So be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Don't be discouraged. Keep on keeping on. Don't quit. Don't cave in. It is all well worth it in the end. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hey, let's pray. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Let's all stand up and pray. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Father, in the name of Jesus, we are so thankful today for your word. We are so thankful for the life of Joseph, oh God, that we, oh God, um, learned a lot from, from your life, Jesus, that we learned a lot from. We can glean and learn, Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, today we are, Lord, going to acknowledge, Father God, we acknowledge that your word is truth. And your word doesn't change. It is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And your word, it says, uh, you know, one thing that will never, Lord, go is your word. Your word will stay forever in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we, O oh God, pray for your grace to hold on to our conviction, to hold on to the truth, especially in these days, Father God, that we hold on to those core beliefs, O oh God, and not be swayed, O oh God, by what the world says or what the culture says or what the trend says, but that we stand firm. And we stand firm in resisting. We stand firm in your word. Your word is our rock and our fortress. You are our rock and our fortress. And we thank you, Father God, today. With my brothers and sisters, oh God, I, I, I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you will allow them, oh God, to continue to keep on keeping on, to continue, oh God, to not quit, but to not cave in, but to to keep on keeping on and just keeping the faith. So, Father, today, we love you. We lift you up. We exalt your name, O oh God, the name that is above all names. You, O oh Lord God, are the ki- you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. And we thank you that, Lord, that whenever, O oh God, we are attacked with lies and deception, Father, we stand to the truth, Father God. And even when... Lord, we submit to the authority of your word even when we don't understand, even when it doesn't make sense, even when we don't feel like it, we don't want to obey, we don't want to submit. But Father, in the name of Jesus, we have, you have given us the power, you have given us the authority against the enemy. And no power of the enemy will in any way harm us in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Father, for that hedge of protection, O oh God. And we thank you, Lord God, for that power and that authority that you have given us as your children. And we thank you so much that no weapon, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. What the enemy meant to harm us, God, you will turn it around for good. Whatever things that we're going through right now, what the enemy meant to harm us, you will turn it around for good. And it is all for your glory and for your honor. May we always remember, Father God, that you are the one, O oh God, who will avenge. You are the one, Father God, who will, um, who will avenge and defend us, Father, in the name of Jesus. But we are not to retaliate. We are not to do evil for evil. If there's anything in our hearts today, oh God, that has any offense or has any, um, any um, attitude of retaliation or wanting to retaliate, Father, we just submit that to you right now and we just ask oh god that you will cleanse us and forgive us and we just thank you lord god for your name and we give you glory and honor in jesus name amen Amen. and amen